The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Well, let's get straight into our thinking point for this morning. And I was talking a little earlier about where we are with this load shedding situation, right? And how it seemingly seems to be getting from bad to worse. And in many ways, we've almost made peace with the fact that load shedding is part of our lives. If it's stage two, we feel like we can barely feel it. Life goes on stage four, starts to get a bit uncomfortable. Stage six, and then we're all throwing our hands up in the air, what is going on? Lungile Mashele is an energy analyst. He joins us on the line. Lungile, good morning to you. Thanks for your time this morning. Good morning to you and your listeners. Thank you for having me. Sure. You, you know, Lungile, I, I just want to talk about kind of where we are right now with the state of, of energy supply. Because as I was saying, it's only when we get to something like stage six that we seem to really feel the full impact of the energy supply crisis that we are in. But of course, you know, we've been moving from one problem to another for quite some time now. Absolutely, Cathy. Um, and I think perhaps the stage six um, and the hysteria that it caused was exactly what the country is reminded of. We've been in this crisis for more than a decade already, and it seems as though very little has been done to address these um, issues uh, from the EPE side, the MRE side, as well as the ESCOM side. It feels like there is no crisis out there. It's, it's Apart from us, the consumers uh, who are actually feeling it, um, we do have a supply crisis, and we have had one since 2007. And despite all efforts to try and address it through the through the renewables, through the GPPCLA in Gula, we're still not really be as a country. Of course, one of the things that we also have to be honest about, Lungile, is that there are communities who have effectively been on stage eight for the longest time, communities who are battling things like load reduction, as ESCOM describes it, and who've almost had to be forced to become accustomed to life without electricity. But when it's stage six and it hits some of the urban centers, of course, it feels like it's more for crisis. But the reality is that it, it has been ongoing. Absolutely. And it's unfortunate to say this, but the poorest mem- members of our society have basically borne the grant of ESCOM's inability to provide electricity and over and above that their inability to do maintenance operations um, and also to maintain that they transform it in anything. So people who are encountered to, to them not having electricity for six, eight, ten hours a day is, you know, they're used to it. And all of a sudden, yesterday, when stage six is announced, like in southern, and for most people who are who are in southern, the distance between stage four and stage six was actually minimal. Um, and in mm. some cases, there was no difference at all. Um, but it was just that massive hysteria around the term stage, stage six itself. But the poor poorest people of this country in all provinces have basically been carried out on their backs ultimately. 
Let's talk about um, why the the Public Enterprises Minister and ESCOM, why they say we have gotten to this point now. They basically point to the industrial action. They talk about how, uh, you know, 90% of staff have not been able to make their way onto most ESCOM premises and plants because of intimidation uh, as a result of the illegal industrial action. It, to me, it sounds like that's part of the story, but it's not the entire story. You're absolutely right, Cathy. Um, when we start, when we actually went into this winter load shedding period, ESCOM had actually issued notices that we can, that we can expect anything between 60 to 100 days of load shedding during winter. So this was expected, number one. Secondly, we have been load shedding since the third of May. There was like an interim period for like three weeks when there was nothing. Um, and load shedding basically started, I think, about a week ago. So the labor action simply exacerbated what was happening, but was not the cause of it all. And for us to even go to stage six, it was a result of 10 units that went offline on Monday, and only three had been returned by yesterday afternoon when we went to stage six. So it would be disingenuous to blame the employees like on everything that has happened. Let's talk about what happens when workers return to work. We're said to have one of the coldest winters that we've had in a while in this country. What does that mean for us going forward? Because, you know, the one thing I don't want is South Africans having the expectations that once workers are back at plants and, uh, you know, there's at least 98% capacity at ESCOM, that our problems will be over. Some also... Our problems are far from something over, Kathy. Um, I think about a month month ago, there was an ESCOM unit from Gutsile uh, which reached its uh, commercial operation date, and everybody thought, oh, well, load shedding is over now. Far, far from. Um, with, even with all those interventions coming into play, we still have ESCOM's fleet, which is unreliable uh, for a number of different reasons. Even if the workers go back to work this very morning, it does not take take away from the fact that ISCOM has been battling with their plant for the last couple of years. They've been unable to do adequate reliability maintenance. They've been unable to get in sufficient capacity also through the risk mitigation program in, in order to allow them to actually do this um, maintenance. So we're still going to experience load shedding. And I would actually say for the next two years, let's, ex- let's expect that we're going to have some of the harshest and some of the most coldest winters as a result of not having electricity in our homes. You know, we've been having the conversation around how citizens can better equip themselves, prepare themselves for these bouts of load shedding. And it's an ongoing conversation. But Lungile, when you look at the future of power supply, at least the the, the more short to medium term, things not changing. I mean, what are the things that we as South Africans need to start considering now? So, you know, there are many things that you know, residents can basically look at. Um, and some of them are having solar PV and basically the moving away from the grid. However, that is extremely costly you know, costly, and it's not an option that everybody can explore. That's an option for the 1% of the country. Um, then, of course, there are other um, methods where, you know, people can use solar lighting in their homes. You can cook with gas, um, you can uh, look at some LED lights that do work with uh, solar also. Um, and, of course, there's just the 
demand side management that we all need to participate in in any event, which is to reduce our electricity consumption. Even if there's no load shedding, but there's no need to have all the lights on in the house at exactly the same time. There is no need to have your geyser on and your microwaves going and your ovens going and your pool pump going and everything is happening at exactly the same time. You can run your pool, pool pump, for instance, in the early hours of the morning or late at night when there's no when, when electricity demand is um, at a low. So there's various methods that we can certainly look at. Um, but I actually want to emphasize that there's very little that we can do to counter this um, electricity supply crisis. Um, and it's going to be an ongoing issue. And I think over the last 10 years, there have been some demand-side management initiatives that we have and, you know, undertaken, such as the light bulb switching that was done in a number of different you know, households. Um, but there's only so much that you can do as well, ultimately. And we're just going to mm-hmm. have to sit in the dark, sadly, until ESCOM and this government get their acts together. Of course, what's most concerning is what the impact of all of this is, not just on households, but also the impact on the economy. There are those that, of course, are calling for the likes of um, Andre Dereta to resign, the Minister of Energy and Minerals, Gweda Mantashe, um, to also either resign or be fired. I don't know. What do you think the answer here is? Because ultimately, we seem to be stuck in this wave for three years, and it doesn't look like it's a moving train. It doesn't look like there's any way of getting off it. So if you can't get off it, it feels like you must just try and make the best that you can of the situation. Lungil is talking about pool pumps. I'm like, there's still people who are running pool pumps when there's no electricity. I don't know. What are the things that you've had to do in order to try and mitigate the full impact of um, this load shedding and especially the small businesses that are out there? Uh, you know, Brian was telling us yesterday about a business in, in manufacturing that has had to stop operations for about 10 hours a day as a result of load shedding. So that means there's practically no work taking place. If there's no work taking place, it means there's no money coming in. And what is the threat of that to businesses and ultimately to jobs in this country? I'll be taking your calls as part of this conversation on 011-714-2006 on the WhatsApp line 0614-104-107 and on Twitter it's at SFM Radio, the hashtag there, SFM Talking Point and Musa is up next with your headlines.